All right, so my wife and I matched today, and I'm so happy. On purpose. On purpose. All right, we're, as promised, we went over. We've got to get to Brooklyn. I want to feed you a little bit of the word, but I think we could do this in like 10 minutes because we're having a family conversation. And how many of you know that my wife and I truly love you? We cherish you. We pray for you. Do you guys know that? Okay, yeah, we love you guys. The fact that you made the decision, whether it's in the Hobart Art Theater, here in a former bar on Long Island, Uh man, when we flipped this place, it smelled like hell. Like actual, the place. <laughs> and we, we, it was disgusting. And then, you know, our Brooklyn location, which many people from our city campus are watching right now in preparation for tonight, where we are canceling the service to have it outside. And so it's gonna be powerful. But we love you guys and we cherish you. And whether you know it or not, you're known. You're known. There's 17 pastors who have devoted their life to faithfully serving you across every single service that we have at every location. There's dozens upon dozens of connect group leaders that want to pray for you, shoulder your burden. You know, I was talking to somebody last, uh, last service in growth track. And she said, you know, sometimes the most alone I feel is when I'm at V1 church. But you know what I told her? I said, yeah, because you haven't gotten vulnerable with us yet. I say, we can't love the fake you. And so when you come a little deeper and you get vulnerable and you just let it all hang out, when you get into a women's connect group, when you make some friends and you just get vulnerable, I said, we're not here because we all have it figured out. We're here because we don't. And I said, you'll feel a lot less lonely when you just be yourself. You know, the Bible says that the body of Christ is like living stones jointly fit together that make a building. And so stones have a different shape and a different size. And you know what I'm thankful of? I'm thankful that you're not like me and I'm not like you. And when we just get more comfortable being the real authentic self, that's how you get, that's how you feel less lonely because you could be in a crowd of people, but they don't know you because you haven't let your guard down. Okay. And so I just want to encourage you guys, my wife and I, we're going to get really vulnerable for like literally eight more minutes. And, uh, and I believe it's because sometimes I love you. I don't know why you're, uh, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes we get so good at signs, miracles, wonders, preaching, loud music, church, that it creates this schism in our character when we feel like we're two different people and we can't manage the tension between dirty dishes, dirty laundry, arguments with our spouse, relapsing back into pornography, whatever your story is, and then this person that you wanna be so desperately that you feel like you are for like 70 minutes. So like once a week for 70 minutes, you're like, okay, the pastor said we can ask for forgiveness, so God forgive me. And then 20 minutes later, you feel better and you're praying and you're crying. But then the next day, you cuss your wife out and you're just like, I can't get this thing down. I don't like, and, and so for me, of all these years being in ministry, if I ask people, hey, come up and pray right now. Oh, if you knew what I did this week, there's no way I, you, should, you would be asking me. Or hey, come over here, just share a word, preach real quick. Oh, not me. I was speaking English and then I spoke French for a little while to my wife and I was cussing, I was whatever. And whatever this thing is, it feels like there's a duplicitous 
reality where it's like I'm two different people and you wrestle with that. And so my wife and I were talking about this and I really wanted to have a super quick conversation about what is real revival? Because our, the real revival, because we want you guys to experience the fullness of it. And, and even though we're going to go and we're going to declare the gospel and people are going to get healed and saved and delivered, what do you do on Monday? (laughs) It's not the absence of demons. It's the presence of your destiny. Oh, come on somebody. And so the absence of demons just makes you empty but then you must be filled with the Holy Spirit and full of destiny and purpose. And so just when Jesus cast the seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, that was just the beginning. That wasn't the whole story. It was, it was the demons came out of her, but now then when she was at the tomb of Jesus, the angel said, now Mary, go declare and tell everybody he's resurrected. In other words, you're to be an evangelist. And so it wasn't the absence of demons, it was the presence of destiny. And so even though we're going to go do this crazy work all around the world over the next two months, I want you guys to understand that as a family in your home, how many single people do we have? Single people. Come on now. Oh, look around. Look around. Oh man, they're hot. They're hot. They're saved. They go to the church. They t- I'll tell you if they tithe or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't look at that. I don't look at that. Um, but can I just tell you single people, I got good news for you. Your savior was single and never got married and he lived in the fullness. Nobody came, man. They're like, I don't want that destiny. I thought you said you had good news, man. I'm burning with lust right now. Get out of here. (laughs) Well, I'm going to read you some scriptures. My wife has some scriptures, but even in a single season, God can use that season, even if your desire is to be married, and God can use it. Does any single people believe that, that you can experience fullness even in a single season? And so the first question I have, I'm going to volley this to my wife, is how do you manage that tension between this normal life? I'm a normal person. You're very normal. Very. I'm not so normal. No, I'm the Martha. You're Martha. You're Mary. But how do you manage that tension? <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm at the feet of Jesus. He's got, he's, he's all in, in the fields. Um, I always say uh, my gift to our church is my consistency. Um, it's, it's the thing that annoys people in their feelings, but I am like very loyal and consistent and I will always show up and I will always be there. Like everyone will be, you know, doing whatever. Like I'm, I'm there, you know? So that's like my gift. And every, each one of us have a gift. So we, we all have revival culture, even if you're not a Mary, okay? He's a Mary. I'm a Martha. If you don't know, Google it. Uh, read it in your word. <laughs> Go to your Bible. Um, but I, so how do you keep revival in like the normal everyday life, right? Schedules, kids, ballet, MMA, all these things that are going on. Um, you know, uh, parenting teenagers and, and driving them. How many are like mom taxis or just parent taxis or Ubers, whatever? Ubers. Ubers, your Ubers that don't get paid, right? Okay. Um, I like to say Ubers who talk to you and don't get any money. That's you? Oh, come on, that's funny. The guy's third it's, service. It's not actually it's funny. It's not funny. Okay, dad jokes. All right. So how do you keep revival culture? And, um, you know, I think in every service we've shared something a little bit differently. So you can go back and kind of listen to the other whatever answers that we gave. But I think it's 
like something I've noticed in our home is we always keep like a worship culture in our home. So when something good happens, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is thank you, Jesus. Like we deflect, we teach our kids, deflect the glory. Like if we get a good parking spot, we're like, thank you, Jesus. And all the New Yorkers said, amen. If you get a day that's not, you know, 100% humidity and you've got curly hair, thank you, Jesus. You know? Um, And so it's just a culture of worship in our home. It's through everything that we do. Um, You know, you'll hear Evie joke around and say, praise the Lord. And she says it with sass, you know, Um, it's, it's just a, it's a culture in our home. And so if, if when something good, maybe the culture in your home is to, you know, praise each other, try turning it to deflect glory. Isn't God good for what he did through you? Isn't God good through what he did through your boss? Isn't God's favor on you through what we did with honoring the Lord in our finances? And it teaches your family how to deflect glory because notice that revivals fail when people get too much glory. Their character, they're not designed for it because as humans, we're not designed to hold the glory. So through this whole revival, you're gonna see it. Thank you, Jesus, for what happened in Brooklyn tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for what's gonna happen in Los Angeles. Thank you, Jesus, for what's gonna happen in Portage, Indiana. You have to learn how to deflect glory in your home to maintain and withstand revival culture. When you tell, come on, isn't that so good? When you tell your kids where to find God, they won't find atheism. And a lot of times, if God never gets the credit, maybe God was never there. But if God always gets the credit, God was always there. And so some of the atheism that we experience in homes is a result of God has, we have to teach our children where to find God. And we find God in so many small things of our life. One of the things, too, is that repentance, you know, revival is always started by repentance. Here, look at me. Got, got okay, we got it. I got to get the... Thank you. <laughs> revival is always found in repentance, but repentance is not the same as confession. Confession is admitting it. Repentance is stop doing it. You stop doing it. And in most churches, we've taught people how to confess, but not how to repent. And so watch this. I repent for anger. That's a real brutal phrase. The Bible says anger, but sin not. So you can't stop from feeling anger, but you determine the choice you make when you feel it. So the Bible says anger, but sin not. So a revival house is when the fruits of the spirit come in and normal people feel anger, but supernaturally led people have the fruit of the spirit, which is long suffering, patience, kindness, joy, meekness. And that's not from you. It's not of you, but it's in you, through you, through the Holy Spirit. And so one of the ways that you know that you're managing this tension between a normal life and a supernatural life is you will begin to do things that in your own strength you can't do. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you guys. If you're an entrepreneur and you don't speak in tongues, you're missing out on power. If you're a mom and you don't have the gift of tongues, 
The apostle said, I desire that you would all prophesy, that you would all speak in tongues. Why? It's a gift. And, and I know some of you came in churches where they told you that it doesn't exist. But I'll tell you this, it's a gift and it exists. I'll tell you one thing about tongues. If you're a father, if you're a husband and don't have the gift of tongues, you're not accessing a power source. The scriptures say that tongues are for edification and encouragement. And what if I told you that, you know how you stub your toe and you say an F-bomb? You stub your toe and you say, your body is seeking relief. Why? Because the body knows that when it encounters pain, it has to switch over to another language. And so the devil is not a creator. The devil's a counterfeiter. Your flesh is carnal. And so you'll switch from English to a, a to French, a cuss word, but your spirit needs to switch into tongues and you need to start speaking the language of heaven and say, I want to break every dish. I want to flip this table. But what I'm going to do instead is begin to entertain heaven instead of entertaining hell. And so I'll tell you what, how do I manage the tension? I, I, I go into the spirit. Man, I'll tell you what, when you begin to speak in tongues, and I, I want this to be normal, you will feel rivers of living water start to wallow up in your belly. You will feel it bubbling up. Your, your prayers are not only supposed to be in English. Read the New Testament. Just read your Bible. Forget about what church you went to. If you only listen to 52 sermons a year, you still would never get through the Bible. And so go read it for yourself. I'm not selling you something. I'm trying to help you. Tongues is information. It's impartation. It's power. It's clarity. People are like, I have anxiety. Do you have the gift of tongues? Pray in the spirit. Shift the atmosphere. Get your body. Matter of fact, you can look at a study that was done that when they, because uh, the, the scientific term for tongues is glossolalia. And when, when scientists hooked brain scans up and they looked at the brain, they said that when people were speaking in tongues, they said another part of their brain was active that wasn't active when they speak their own native language. Matter of fact, the blood flow went to this center of the brain and we don't even quite know what else that is even used for in our brain. And so if science knows it, you should know it. It's a free gift. You don't strive for it. You don't fast for it. You don't beg for it. You receive it because it's a gift. And so I, I don't know why I just felt like I needed to emphasize if you don't have the gift of, of tongues, just earnestly seek it. Ask the Lord for it because uh, you need it. Okay, I want to read. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, when we started, when my, my sister and I started like dating, he would, he would say, does he, does he speak in tongues? And it was like one of the first questions. And it was kind of funny and we would laugh. But like years later on the other side, when I was older, after I had kids, I said, Dad, why did you always ask us that? He said, because if you can speak in tongues, you can get through anything. Yeah. That's revival. Man, I don't remember the exact verbiage. And maybe EJ is watching this and can text me right now if he's in V1 Indiana. Do you guys remember when we had EJ on stage worshiping a couple weeks ago? So I thought that he was singing in Spanish. So if you go back and watch that footage, I was telling him, keep going. I was trying to encourage it, right? This is crazy. This story is crazy. I, he told it in Brooklyn because it happened in our morning services. And then in the Brooklyn, by Brooklyn, we already had the testimony. I thought he was singing in Spanish. So I was trying to honor. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like diversity It's showing the diversity of our church. This is powerful. I couldn't really make out what he was saying, but on the stage, the speakers are facing you guys and it's different experience. So I was like, oh, I probably can't. All of a sudden, somebody reached out to him and said, since when do you know Portuguese? And uh, he was like, I don't. 
And they were like, well, when you were on stage, you were speaking Portuguese. And he was like, I was speaking in tongues. That was Portuguese. And, and the person said, yeah, you were saying, I give all of my devotion to you. <laughs> that happened on this stage right in front of you. And so he's, he's a worship leader leading our church in worship. He's never sang in tongues before. He starts doing it, and the, through the Holy Spirit is praying and unlocking something. And in Portuguese, he's saying, I'm giving all my devotion to you. If you're, I'm telling you, if you don't like Christianity, it's your fault. Because <laughs> it's crazy. It's interesting. It's wild. If you're like, I'm bored. There were no bored Christians in the first century. People were getting killed. Yeah. People were having extravagant good time doing crazy stuff for the Why? Lord. Okay. Um, let's talk about feeling overwhelmed. Though. I want to read you Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. And then, we, then we're going to end because we got to kind of cut this short to get to Brooklyn. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not. If you have kids and you tell them do not, is that a suggestion or a command? Okay, now I have to say that because there's a new generation of soft parents that let their kid make a choice. Their kid's smoking a cigarette, backhands their mom, watching Netflix. You know, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking right, about. He's exaggerating here. Their front row has lost it. They're like, <laughs> what? Where but you got happening? kids nowadays that are parented in such a way where really the, the kid makes all the choices. And that's not yeah. the way it's supposed yeah. to be. It says you train your child up in the ways of God. And when they're older, they won't depart. It's our responsibility to train. Matter of fact, you know, back in the day when I used to be a teacher, kids would tell me, Pastor, or they would call me Mr. Signorelli. Mr. Signorelli, we hated your class, but then we realized you were our favorite teacher. But the public school system forced them to come to my class because they were not wise enough to know that I was a good teacher. Thank God they got forced because eventually they learned English. And so the thing is, sometimes nowadays these soft parents are like, you can't force your kid to be a Christian. Oh, yes, you can. Uh, yes, you can force them. I force you to wipe your butt, and that's a good thing for you. I force you. I potty trained you. That was, uh, that was not voluntary. Because I don't want to be changing diapers. And now and then I can't force my kid. Yes, you can. And you're brainwashing your kid. Yes, I am brainwashing my kid. Because secular humanism brainwashes them too. Because all the other agendas brainwash them. My mind has been washed by the blood of Christ. I, yeah, I've been washed by the world and conformed to his ways. It is brainwashing. I don't want to think like a modern American. I want to think like an ancient, ancient, come on, son or daughter of the king. I need a wisdom beyond this world. Give me the brainwashing. Sign me up. Because we're in a nation full of men, full of depression, anxiety, killing themselves at higher proportions. So whatever we're being brainwashed in is not serving us. And so I will force my kid. I will brainwash my kid. And you can put this on the front page of Reddit like you did the three other things I said. Because the Bible is always going to be foolishness to the world. But to those who know God, it is wisdom. And so the, I don't know what I, so, yeah, yeah. so when you give a command to your kid, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. It's a command. But God will never give you a command that he doesn't empower you to fulfill. Don't have sex out of wedlock. Oh, it got real quiet now. He'll never give you a command he won't empower you to fulfill. Come on. 
And sometimes the solution, and we've said this to New Yorkers, is stop saving up for a $300,000 wedding full of people that don't even love you and just go ahead and get married and honor covenant. And then you can do that other big thing later because we got people who are breaking God's laws for their family's preferences. And that ain't right either. But see, the thing is, God will never give you um, a command that he doesn't empower you to fulfill. So if God commands you, don't be anxious, he anxious, he will empower you to not be anxious. But you see, all the way I'm talking will get you in trouble with psychological circles because they take ownership of their situation like it's a pet. My anxiety. Oh, you own it. That's yours. I don't want to be the owner of anxiety. My depression. Oh, you own your depression. I don't want to be the owner of depression. It's like saying my BMW. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll take a BMW. My peace of mind. I'll take that. Why? You notice the same people. They don't give you any other attributes of ownership about anything good. My confidence, my faith, my Jesus. But we take ownership over the demonic. My depression, my anxiety, my ADD, my ADHD. Why are you owning it? It's not yours. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't talk like that. If you get brainwashed by the Bible, you'll say he has not given me the spirit of fear, but he has given me love. It's my love. It's my power. It's my sound mind. That's what he gave you. And so we own the things the devil gave us. We reject the thing God gave us. And if we flip it, I think what you're saying is like, we've got to have a. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm ready for revival. You We're guys, ready. I'm re- I feel angry. I'm ready for revival. I'm a, dis- I'm a, you know, go ahead, Jules. Go, no, no, you go ahead. But I think what, what you're saying is, is to have revival culture, it has to shift in your language. It's got to shift yes. in your thinking. It's got to shift in your family. It's not business as usual, family as usual, bills as usual, finances as usual, church as usual, dinner as usual, family outings as usual, music as usual. You're going to have to take a shift in your family to say, we listened to that in one season in the car, but in this season, we're bringing revival into our drive. We did this in a one season as a family where mom and dad drank till we were drunk and we would have a good time and said I needed a night off and then you would watch inappropriate things and do inappropriate things but in this season mom and dad are doing something different it's got to be different for revival yeah see how super practical and supernatural (laughs) language check language check speak faith speak faith you know right now you got beyonce on a picture riding a red horse i don't know if you even saw this beyonce is on a, a red horse but guess what? Before now, we're all gonna go look it up. But yeah, well, no, I'm gonna, because <laughs> the devil, As you're he right. knows what's you're happening right. in the spiritual realm, and he's an emulator, not yes. a creator. Yes. But before there's a red horse, there's a white horse, <laughs> and Jesus is on the white horse, victorious, and literally written on his thigh. Who knows what's written on his thigh? What's it say? 
king of kings and lords of lords. So you can have Beyonce on a red horse. I want Jesus on a white horse with king of kings written on his thigh. This is a revival season. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to take it easy. I'm not going to chill. I don't need a vacation. I need to get bloodied up. These knuckles were made for fighting. The devil done lost because he let me get this far. And I'm ready for domino revival, somebody. Get out of here. <laughs> this is what it is. Just stay on your feet so I can close service. I hope you're standing up because we're about to go on, on this thing. Listen, when I saw Beyonce on that red horse, I got excited because I said, oh, the devil knows it's time. <laughs> and let me just tell you this. Uh, here's, here's, here's the thing you got to understand, because some of you guys don't know the Bible. You're a little biblically illiterate. Just keep coming back to church. We'll help you with that because you get you were given the coloring book stories, but you don't know the real thing. When, when in, in, in Babylonian times, there was, the, there was Nebuchadnezzar and the idol that everybody had to bow down. You all know what I'm talking about. And in that time, what people don't know is that every single time that it was time to bow to the idol, there would be a procession of music. And when the music would play, it would draw you in. They used all the instruments. It was the best music. And as the music would play in Babylon, even if you were a Jew, even if you didn't serve that idol, you would feel drawn to serve it. You would feel like, oh, I mean, have you ever just heard music going on? You're like, man, I just, I'm not even like a provocative, nasty person, but I feel like moving the lower part of my body. Some would say popping it. Y'all think I'm funny, and I, I'll put this one on YouTube. I'll do a deeper teaching on YouTube where I have less restrictions. But there's times where you come up under the spirit connected to a song, and you'll see normal people do things that are outside of their, their normal character because that same Babylonian spirit, that same idolatry, it begins to play a song. And when that song is going forward, people say, man, I'm usually not sexually perverse, but I feel like I need to, I, I'll just do it. People say, man, I did it on the, and so you get this, this, you get this um, alcohol, partying weed you're lowering people's inhibitions you're shutting down the frontal lobe of their brain you got 808s and the bass of the music actually playing and it's hitting the lower portion of someone's body they're feeling the vibration all these things that happen it's the natural and the spiritual converging and it's birthing the demonic portals that open to people's lives. can you turn the lights back on we normally don't do this but i just want to have the lights on so I say that because people are like, oh, V1's all about deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. I was like, yeah, but for a hundred years in New York City and Long Island, there's been no deliverance. It's, it's been 50, 60 years, and we're all just playing patty cake and going to church and going home, and the devil is in his cam camouflage staying hidden. It's not that I'm about deliverance. It's that I'm trying to catch the body of Christ up after 60 years of us sitting on our hands and not confronting the works of darkness. But I, but I got excited because on this tour, you know, we had the vision of bringing music at each location. And I really feel like, see, Satan's not a creator, he's a counterfeiter. 
And so what would happen was people who didn't even feel normally a certain way would be drawn into this Babylonian worship and before you know it, they would bow, which is why Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing to that idol was such a big deal because the emotional pull would have been so strong that they would have felt like it would have been weird to not bow. And I really feel like what that is, is in the anointing, in an atmosphere for our worship teams across our campuses, this is a great lesson. What'll happen when you're in an atmosphere of worship is you will also begin to surrender to it and do things you wouldn't normally do. So there's gonna be some people tonight in Brooklyn that hear the music. And as that music is going forth, just like Beyonce in that counterfeit, I also believe there's a prophetic movement rising up within worship. And that music's gonna go forth into that park and the people of God are gonna sing and I pray that you're there. And as we sing, there's gonna be people who begin to weep because they're gonna say, there's something different in this atmosphere. What am I hearing right now? And as the tears fall down their eyes, they're gonna begin to surrender in that moment to the Holy Spirit. There's something, you know, when David would play his instrument, Saul, who was vexed by demons, it soothed them. They would arrest demonic spirits. There's spiritual warfare that happens when music is released. From coast to coast and around the world, we're bringing music with Domino Tour to arrest demonic spirits, enough time to capture a soul, to capture a spirit for the Lord. And so right now, I wanna ask you guys to do something uh, different. I want you to grab your phone. This is a different kind of thing. We, uh, because we have to text the location change to you. And um, just grab your phone and we're gonna, I don't wanna necessarily say it, so I'd like to text it. We're here in North America. If you're watching outside of North America, we, we actually, our text community only works in North America. Um, but I'm gonna give you my phone number and I just want you to say hi, something like that, anything you want because you'll get a prompt to join my contact list and then I'll join yours. It's all automated. And then I will be able to text you the location for tonight. I also send prophetic words through the text community, encouragement, scriptures, all kinds of stuff like that. But I wanna, I want, yeah, some of you guys are already doing it. I don't know how you got my number. Uh, literally texts are popping up right now. I'm like, what in the world? Um, but I wanna tell you, that, that right now, Tiffany just said, hello, can I get the address for the Domino Revival that's happening today? That just came in my phone right now. People are hungry. And I can't do this without you. I'm, I'm asking that you would consider coming. But regardless, here's the number. Are you ready? It's area code 347. Do this in Indiana too, because I'll give you Indiana updates. And so it's 347-329-3477. Three four seven, three two nine, three four seven six, and just say hi or whatever. And I'm going to send you the address. Three four seven, three two nine, three four seven six. I see a lot of you guys doing it. Area code is three four seven, three two nine, three four seven six, and just say hi. Oh, cool. Stephen, Kara, Madison. Anthony, Melissa, Keith. I'll do it one more time. 347-329-3476 and just say hi or whatever you wanna say. And I'm gonna send out the address. And um, the world is gonna watch New York City burn. And they thought they were gonna watch it burn with destruction, but it's gonna burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
They say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. We're about to see our Heavenly Father just run rush shot over the works of darkness. Julie, would you just lead us as we close? Yeah, in just a minute, we're going to sing a revival song that was from one of the old wells of revival from Pensacola. But we're going to have our pastor and our prayer team come. Um, you guys, if you, if our pastors and our prayer team could come, you could stand here. And what we want to do is open up an opportunity for you to receive prayer. If you said, I've been wayward, I've been a prodigal, or I need a transition in my home. We've been living like the world Monday through Saturday, Sunday we're coming to church. I need a, a revival movement around my dinner table. These altars are open. Indiana, let your prayer team come to the front. We want to receive. I specifically feel like we have prodigals, prodigal children who are we are praying in to come home today. If that's you, if you said, I've walked with the Lord in one season, but my family drugged me to church today, today is your day. Come home. Come home. Come home. Do not run anymore. Safety is in the Father's house. Come home to Jesus today. Romans 10 9 says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you would be saved. That is the start of revival is repentance. Revival is repentance. So if that's you, I want you just to get in this well. If you say, I want to come into agreement with the wells of revival being open, come forward. We're just going to declare this and sing this out. We're taking everything from the enemy's camp today. We're taking everything.